first rule in grip sport is you tell everyone about grip sport. You know, crushing, pinch grip, thick bar, wrists. If the best guy in the world can't lift 100 pounds on it, I, I don't give a shit about it. Uh, welcome to another episode of The Grip Show. Uh, as usual, like I said, we usually have some pretty special guests and everything like that. But uh, for me personally, this is a uh, very unique guest in the fact that uh, he's really a trailblazer and kind of just a pioneer of grip strength and a lot of other things as well. Um, so, uh, Richard Zorn, I'd like to welcome you to The Grip Show. Why, thank you, Zach. I appreciate it. And, uh, and we appreciate you for taking the time. Um, so we'll get into a lot of grip talk and stuff like that. Um, most people are probably pretty aware of, uh, Sorenex and Sorenex exercise equipment. And you're pretty much the owner and founder of that, right? When did that start? About 43 years ago. It seems like yesterday, but it's been quite some time. What a ride. Yeah. And I mean, and you guys do everything from, I mean, like outfitting, like, college like like college weight rooms nfl like you guys do like pretty much the biggest scale type stuff there is right we do it all i mean our our our, our customers are all important to us we mm-hmm. we supply people in their garages all the way up to the largest universities and and uh, pro teams uh we i think we have about 85 percent of the nfl teams covered okay yeah so uh we get around <laughs> awesome um now Obviously, I'm sure things probably evolved and changed over the years with that. Um, What did that look like when it first started, I guess, compared to now? Now everybody kind of knows what it is today. But what was it like in those earlier days, kind of getting things started? I was a school teacher and really enjoyed my work. But as soon as I got off during the afternoon, I'd get my Land Cruiser and ride downtown like a madman buy steel and whatever supplies I needed and came back and got on my, my, my carport and bought a welder. And each time I did a job, I would buy one more tool. And I started out on my, uh, on my patio, uh, on my driveway and uh, a little buzz box welder and, and a hand drill. So it was meager, a meager start. Uh, but I always reinvested in what I did and, and believe somehow it was going to, my passion was going to take care of me for my life. Yeah. I think that's really cool that you bring that up that, you know, I mean, it, obviously it's grown into something much bigger these days, but that it started off with just you kind of individually doing stuff, um, you know, welding yourself and then just kind of reinvesting in, in a, you know, a different tool each time or whatever the case may be to kind of build it. Because I think there's a, a lot of people, um, I, I don't want to say like back in the day, but whatever, it's like, even, even when I was, um, you know, a little bit younger, it's kind of like, well, you know, what's all this weightlifting about, or how are you going to ever make money doing that? Or, you know, what, just for people that like to train, some people would like to, you know, well, you're never going to make a career out of that. But obviously, like you said, you know, you, you've, you've turned it into something, um, that was a passion and yeah, I mean, it's been here for, like you said, over 40 years. So they always said to me that it was it was black, it was ugly, and it lasts forever. That's what people would say <laughs> about my equipment. And I I really think there's still some of it out there still being used to this day. Oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so okay, like I said, like I said, most people know the business stuff. I just wanted to at least kind of touch on it. Um yeah. but you're also um very 
very well known in the grip strength world and strength world in general, but specifically you stand out for a lot of the feats of grip strength and different things you've done to kind of promote others and build them up for grip strength. I mean, you guys make grip strength equipment, all, all kinds of stuff. So yeah. um, one of the things I wanted to mention now, I'm not the biggest fan of grippers myself, but it's not all about me. Um, we have a lot of listeners and a lot of people that love grippers and, and all that stuff. And, and we briefly spoke the other day and you had mentioned uh, Warren Tedding and kind of uh, some involvement with just the, I don't know, I don't say the beginning of grippers, but yeah, I mean, could you kind of maybe expand on that a little bit or kind of. Sure. I actually, uh, I, I got my first gripper from Warren. He was making them at an early time for uh, Iron Mind. And uh, he would, he turned his garage into a business just like mine. And he would, he would make anywhere from 25 to a hundred grippers a day. And that was a pretty good living to, to be honest. And uh, I, I decided I would go meet him and thank him for getting me started in the whole thing. And I, actually to show him because he didn't believe anyone could shut his number three gripper. And that didn't last long. So we built it. Actually, we, that day we built a gripper together. So I got to know straight from the horse's mouth how to do it or how it was done. And I guess as the years have gone on, it's been, it's been more a mechanical machine oriented production than by hand as he did it. Okay. Yeah. And uh, back then would, would the number three have been the, the highest ranking gripper that he had or he didn't call it. He, he, he didn't call it a number three. He called it a super heavy duty gripper. Okay. Yeah. They, yeah. I know for the Tedding grippers, they had different like uh elite or something. They had different, um, right. Right. Categories or did, levels. Uh, the, the one he first sent me, um, my uh, secretary said to him when he called one day, what is this man doing with these grippers? He buys all these super heavy duty grippers. And, and she says, well, he, he closes them. He plays with them at his desk and stuff like that. And he says, no, I can't be. No one's ever closed that, uh, that super heavy duty. He must have the wrong one. And she says, well, I don't know. He does, he does it a lot. And, and uh, he says, I'm going to send, Tedding said, I'm going to send him something special. And I want to get a picture of him closing it. Well, he, he took one of the grippers and he spray painted it red. Never forget, I still have it. And it was made on a two seven point. 277 spring which was right before they changed up a size to a chromed spring which was a 281 slightly bigger spring so when uh iron mine when i closed the first iron mine gripper it was a 281 spring instead of the the one he painted red and he says now that i've seen the picture he says i believe in it and he he gave me a lot of publicity about it Okay. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And then, like I said, uh, you mentioned the uh, the number three as well. Um, you're the first person to be uh, certified or close that. Yeah, um, correct, right? Yeah, it's been a long trail. I, I was actually the first to do it, and o- over the years, the rules changed a lot, mm-hmm. and just caught out of my own interest to get back into it. Seventeen years later, I recertified. Okay, and yeah, it was that was kind of fun. Uh, it was a lot, I wouldn't say a lot easier than the one, the first gripper I had, because they were very tough springs and they were hand built by Warren Tedding. So 
they varied a good bit. The, what, what I had as a number three was a tough, tough gripper. The majority of people that have ever visited us here, only a handful have, have closed the original one that I had to do. Okay. But the yeah. uh, 17 years later, I got lucky and did it again. Okay. And now that, that original three that you have, that you said you still have with you, um, could you just mention some names that have come by and closed it? Do you remember any off the top of your head? Like I said, there are few and far between. And, okay. and the, the ones that would kind of seek out the, the Holy Grail, a lot of times they left kind of with their tail between their legs. <laughs> they, they freshly would certify on a new gripper and that the spring was a little bit lighter in years as they go, went on. And when they come in and try the original one, they couldn't do much of anything with it. Um, Jed Johnson, I'm pretty sure closed it. Uh, Tommy Helsip closed it. Um, I'm trying to think there, it, very few people, uh, we have, uh, Tex Henderson here, who's the first man to close the three and a half. He closed it. Um, there just really hasn't been a lot of people have been successful with it. When they grab a hold of it, they know there it's a different cat. Yeah. Now, uh, I guess just to kind of stay with some of the uh, the, er the uh, earlier days for the grip side of things, but I have to I have to do it because, like I said, uh, my first feat that I really chased was the Fat Man Blob, and the biggest thing is like we we hear the secondhand stories of how it it became a thing and how uh, you know Broken Dumbbell and and, and Richard Soren and everybody has their you know their story, but I would like to hear you. Um, I guess walk us through the story of that, and, and you can kind of let us know like what was going through your mind, like when did it, you know, like just through the whole process. And you can be as in, in as much detail as you would like, but I would just like people to know the history of that original blob, how you even chose to name it the blob, and just basically what started this whole um York blob craze that we see yeah. nowadays. Well, it's lasted a long time. Um Back when I was starting out my business, uh, when I was uh, in the University of South Carolina, we would work out at the YMCA. So the people there knew me. And when I started my business, they contacted me to uh, kind of refit, refinish their their room. And it was heavily used. People were pretty abusive and rough on the equipment. And the, uh, the handles on the dumbbells were either all bent or they were broken because they used a one inch bar where later York used a one and an eighth inch bar. So they wouldn't have the breakage problem. Well, I went in there, refitted the room, did what I could for him. And before I left, uh, the name of the man was Jeep of all things. But Jeep said, aren't you gonna take all this uh, trash with you? And I kind of looked at him because it was a long series of hallways and stairs to get in and out of the building. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't like the idea toting all those dumbbells out. I really didn't. But I said I would do it. And that was my job. And I went ahead and one by one carried them out. And being frugal back in the day, I I didn't want to throw them away. I I knew there was something there, but I didn't know what I was going to do with them. Actually, there's one in the Congaree River that I used as a boat anchor. Um so they laid around in the, in the, in the little shop I had and, and I was tired of stumbling over them. And finally I said, I'm going to get rid of these things. And I, I started picking them up one by one and moving them across the room to a better spot. And I went to grab the last one 
and I, I couldn't lift it up. And I said, well, what's this? And I, I tried and tried and I couldn't lift it up. And it kind of got me thinking, I said, this, this might be a, a pretty good task. If I, if I can't do it, because I had a fair grip and, uh, I started working with it and I probably tried, I would say 200 times individual attempts before I ever got to lift that. So from a piece of trash that was at the YMCA and a boat anchor, it came into being as the blob. Okay. It was just a blob of metal. Okay. And uh, once you, uh, I guess like once you kind of uh, conquered that feat, you didn't just, I mean, you didn't just lift it. You went on to like adding weight to it, different stuff like oh, that. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sure uh, you've yes. cleaned it and other stuff. Um, uh, so it was, yeah. it was once you lifted uh, it, was that kind of the plan just to kind of keep progressing with it and just see how far you could take it? Well, I was going to, I was going to say some things about training uh, later if you were interested, but. Oh, absolutely. If, yeah. If, if you're gonna, if you could do a, a fee of grip strength, you need to do it with something that is very similar to what your goal is. Mm-hmm. And that meaning that if you use a light gripper, you're not going to necessarily be able to do a strong gripper. Even if you can't close the gripper you want to, you need to work on that one. So with the blob, I lifted it a lot of different ways. I got where I could carry it. I got where I could pass it around my back. Uh, it, it's extremely tough, very tough. I had fellows in the other day that were all about getting their hands on the blob and it didn't go anywhere. And they tried real hard and they were strong men. Um, so I... The one I have was an original generation blob, which it's not so much the weight, it's really the shape of it. And it's fat as heck. That's why I call it the fat man, because his side just bulged out. Now, when generation two came, they were a little bit more sleek looking, Mm -hmm. I would say. And there's a, a fair amount of difference between a fat man and a generation two blob. Now, I got practicing with the generation two and I worked up to, which I don't know if that has ever been done. Um, I, I snatched power snatched two reps with two fingers and a thumb uh, with the second generation blob. And to me, I don't think anyone's ever come close to doing that, let alone with two I, fingers. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, it is funny that uh, just because we're talking about the subject and you're talking about doing a snatch with it, yeah. Um, are, are you familiar with uh, Ben Helms at all? He's a newer lifter to grip. He's been cleaning the inch dumbbell a lot and stuff like that. Oh, no, he's not. That name's not familiar to uh, me. Okay. That, that, that's all right. But uh, he just posted today where he did a uh, double fat man snatch. So two fat man blobs and he snatched them at the same time. He's one heck of a strong guy then. <laughs> but, now, a, lot of, yeah, we, a lot of times you'll see him. They'll actually try to pull them up like a clean and then press them out. Yeah. Uh, if you snatch them to arm's length, like my son was watching me, uh, one of the people that were witnessing that feet. And he said, dad, he says, your feet actually came off the ground when you, when you pulled it up so hard. And uh, it, it's a little bit, it, it's really tough. If you snatch it correctly, I like to see that gentleman do it. it, it good for him. No. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I don't know, maybe someday I'll get him down there to try some stuff out or, whatever he, he he's based out of virginia and then we yeah. do some training we do some training together and uh he's he's cleaned some monster inch dumbbells um wow 
and uh he's definitely uh like we well, you're probably familiar with like the blobzilla like a 130 legacy blob he, i've actually heard of him but i've never really okay. been around interested to be okay. around him yeah so that would be like the obviously the later generation of uh yeah. of the york dumbbells and they have a flatter thumb side so they're they're definitely a different shape but you get into those one half 130s and they're you know 63 64 65 pounds and yeah they, they start to get pretty wide and heavy and and he, he's he's clean stuff like that but he, he would be a good person to bring down and kind of uh i don't know just just see what he could do like you said there were some guys in there trying stuff he he would be a good one to experiment with i i think it <laughs> i think he'd have a good time yeah, uh, so. we try to keep the, the museum open for everyone, and uh, to keep the legacy of uh, iron uh, iron strength going, and uh, he'd be very welcome. Yeah, and, I, and I'd like to get down there someday and lift the uh, original blob myself as well. So we'll we'll see. I might have to orchestrate that at some point, but uh, but yeah, with a uh, two you said two fingers on a, the next generation or second generation blob, and you snatched a you know, fifty reps. pound blob. Yeah, for two, two reps, reps yeah. like that's. I, I haven't heard of anybody uh, doing that. I've I've deadlifted one, but from a deadlift to a snatch, it is a much different thing. I I don't even think I'd be close. So uh, I was able to do uh, with one finger and a thumb each of my five fingers with the blob generation two. Okay, yeah. So see, that's, the the pinky and the thumb was pretty tough. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I I could imagine. I don't even know if I if I went down to some of my smaller blobs, I don't know where I would a pinky and thumb. I'm not sure where I would land, but it. It's not close to half a hundred right now. So yeah, I definitely got some work cut out for me if I'm going to do that. <laughs> It'll surprise uh, you. Oh yeah. And uh, so, like I said, I definitely just wanted to get the, uh, that kind of that original story and some of those feats with the blob and things like that. Um, were you, I mean, assuming, you know, that you were doing a lot of this stuff kind of before others were, right. were you kind of the first person to attach weight to it as well? Whether it's be like you know, tying strings over it and adding weight and that method. Yeah, or, you know? I I think I I mean there could have been people that got interested and started doing it. John Brookfield for for one was very good at grip, and uh, he he was really impressed with how hard the blob was. Uh, got him started in grippers, and he he really did well. He did, he was a second to close number three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I I reached out to John about being on the show, but I haven't heard back. Maybe I'll get him on the show someday. Um, He's a good guy. He, he literally lives like ten minutes away from me, but we just don't know each other. So yeah. it's like we're we're here in North Carolina, but yeah, I'd I'd love to interview him sometime. So would you say he's probably uh, one of the first people that lifted the blob after you back then, or who who were some of the earlier guys that lifted it after you did? See, I, I'm thinking he never even. I think the first time he visited, he never used a, a spring gripper. And when I handed it, uh, handed them to him, he had, he barely shut a number one. And that really lit a fire under him because he was mm -hmm. strong. He was bent, he, he bent like 30 nails in a minute, uh, 60 penny nails, very strong man. But when he got a fire lit under him, he went after the blob big time and the grippers big time. So uh, there's there's no slack there. He tried hard. Now, um, I guess moving on from the blob now, around, I don't want to be off on the time frame, but we'll say probably around 2010, 11, or 12, um, 
you guys put on Mighty Mitts, right? Correct. Mighty Mitts competitions around that time frame, and that would have yeah. been was yeah. that typically hosted at the Arnold Classic? Yes. That's now. Um, when you, like I said, that, I don't say that was the first grip competition that was like on a big scale expo like that. But I, I, I don't know. Were there any others around that were? Not to my knowledge. Not to my yeah. knowledge. The uh, it was a lot of fun. We raised some funds to to actually make some good prizes for the guys to cover their their travel and whatnot. It was about eight thousand dollars in prizes. Okay. So uh, uh, yeah. we tried to really reinforce getting the best people there. Actually, as I remember, one came from England. Um, there were people from all over the, all over the world uh, interested in that. Um, we wound up having a phenom, uh, Rich Williams, uh-huh. uh, in the contest, and he was actually so strong. And he was—he never really practiced. I never, never saw him really go after it. He just played with stuff, but he would do more reps, let's say, or more reps with a deadlift, the thick bar deadlift, than all the rest of the comp- competition put together could. Or they carried two hundred and seventy-three pound anvils, six, seven feet. He carried it seventy-four feet, a pair yeah. of them. He was unbelievable i've but definitely it, heard a lot about rich i mean and, and i've seen i've seen some of rich's lifting and stuff like that so uh i think most people are the pretty, absolute real deal yeah every, everybody's pretty familiar with him um and, and how strong he is and i haven't got a chance to ever like lift with him sometimes uh like i like i talked to james redaritas and he said oh you know t- trying to get uh you know rich out to compete sometimes and stuff like that and uh, I just haven't got the chance to meet him or uh, get to lift with him. But like I said, a lot of us have seen seen what he's capable of, and that's a name that always comes up when you're talking about uh, oh. strongest strongest grip of all time and stuff like that. So uh, if if, if he cool, if he worked at it, it would be untouchable. I saw him just casually in training do a five sixty uh, thick bar deadlift, which is mm-hmm. over the world's record, I would guess, and just yeah, casually walking up to it, lifting it, no problem. Pressing a pair of inch dumbbells, military pressing them, that mm-hmm. was impressive. Um, yeah, um, and so, so I mean, you you probably got to see a lot of things like that. What would uh, I, I know you just named a couple? Are there any other, um, I guess, like freakish things that you could name that uh, you've seen Rich Williams pull off? Oh gosh, I saw him press a hundred pound dumbbell fifty times with one arm. I saw him take a inch dump, uh, inch dumbbell. 138 pound inch dumbbell he cleaned it and i thought he was going to press it one time for the people and he pressed it 24 times and he put it down and he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and walked off and got a drink of water and i said that's all you're going to do and he came back with the same arm mm-hmm. cleaned it back up again and did it 25 reps <laughs> with 138 pound dumbbell yeah. that man is strong absolutely um, so Rich, uh, I, I know he won in, at least uh, probably a couple of the mighty mitts. How many were there, um, total? Do you remember how many years that ran? Oh God, I'm thinking now I, I know it was three or three or four years. Every okay. time he went, he just absolutely clean, cleaned up the place. Yeah. Um, and there were some very talented people there. There were, I was going uh, to say, uh, just off memory, is there any way that you could, uh, I don't know. Maybe just name some of those other contenders that were there that you were maybe impressed with. Because I mean, Jed Johnson was there. 
he's very, very strong, very good in the pinch. Uh, he came here personally and, and uh, tried a number of, of feats of strength with the thick uh, York 45-pound plates, and he was very impressive with those, pinching them, carrying them. Uh, one of the real rare guys that has lasted a long time and has done well. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other fellows. It kind of slips my mind. Would, uh, would, would Andrew, uh, Andrew Derniat have been there? Oh, Derniat was very, very good. Okay. He was actually in one of the mighty myths that it was an extra challenge to pull a 300 pound dumbbell out of a box that was tightly fitted around the dumbbell. And I was doing the judging. I had to look down in the box to see it. And Derniat was the only one to move that 300 pound dumbbell off the bottom of the box about, I would say half an inch mm -hmm. spectacular feet of strength, but no one got, got to deadlift it completely. Yeah. Um, another one would, uh, I'm, and I'm going off memory as well here, just from what I've yeah. seen, because this, this is stuff that, you know, before I was even into grip or really even training it like that. I mean, I've only been doing it, you know, two, three years. Um, but I've gone back and, you know, saw all the history and all the stuff that's yeah. you know, happened before me. Um, Another Chad great Woodall. one was Chad Woodall. I was about to say Chad Woodall, the same thing. So, yeah, you kind of read he's my mind a, He's there. a real deal. Great competitor, too. And then uh, I, I know I had Adam on the show, and I think Adam, he, he said that he thought he was going to be, like, the smallest and weakest guy at one of them, but he ended up placing pretty well, like in maybe middle of the pack at one. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I, I mean, we I, try to keep it pretty varied yeah. mm -hmm. that, I mean – it seems that people are kind of specialists in grip. They're either good at one thing and maybe not so good at another. Uh, but he seemed very well-rounded. Mm -hmm. And the, the pinching involves things different than the squeezing. Uh, it, we try to make it really mixed up where you would have to have overall strength to win. Yeah. Now, with those competitions being some of the biggest ones, I mean, one of the, the best shows, and like you said, uh, tons of uh... – tons of prizes and taking care of the athletes and stuff like that. Was there a specific reason that I guess you guys kind of moved away from that? Or was it just like too much of an expense? Did it just lose popularity? Or like, I guess, what was the reason it kind of came to a halt? Well, in all honesty, uh, we, we supplied the equipment as well for the strongman, And it, it's, it was quite an expense to put it all together, transport yeah. it, set it up and do all the things uh, in conjunction with Terry Todd, who just loved the iron game and he put on mm -hmm. the strongman show, we got along very well together. We enjoyed it. Um, he started, they, they started getting some offers for other sponsors coming in. And the, of course the other, other sponsors were competitors of mine in business. Mm -hmm. So we kind of eased away from it and let them have a chance at it with the strongman and the grip if they wanted to do anything. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I was, I was just curious because like I said, we, you go back and look at that old footage and those are some really awesome competitions and the lineups were phenomenal. Oh, and uh, I, I think that people kind of still wish that today there was something maybe at that level because there's still some competitions in expos. There's still some decent stuff going on, but I, I don't know that if there's anything that's maybe matched to those competitions or kind of that. that, that I, would, that I, would, I wouldn't think in talent in one place, no. Or in prize money, yeah, uh, it's ever been offered like that. And the funny thing about I was just thinking about Rich. He would he he came and went to a grip challenge that they had. He he did the entire grip gauntlet. Then they loaded it up 
heavier. He did that. He went over to a dumbbell challenge. He did the most reps with a dumbbell. Then he went over and uh, what else did he do? He certified on the three and the three and a half. This is all in the same day. Mm-hmm. And then went and won the competition that day. Yeah. I mean, just <laughs> a beast. Super yeah. strong. Um, do you still t- uh, do you still stay in touch with Rich at all these days? Or does he still kind yeah. of training at all? Or He's had some problems with blood clots in his legs. And he to say hard training, you really don't know what hard training is, especially with a super heavyweight. They don't do a lot of volume as, as a rule. Mm-hmm. He trained like a bodybuilder. I mean, he would do sets of 10, sets of 20. Uh, just amazing work. You couldn't even fathom how much weight he was using, plus how many reps he would do. So he was a whole different kind of guy. Uh, well, I, yeah, I was going to say, ahead. I think that, uh, no, another thing I think to just to kind of like, I, I don't know, I guess you could say put a stamp on that is kind of like, this isn't just like some small town area where this is like the big fish in a small pond. This is a guy that is around some of the biggest and strongest people. And he's still like kind of head and shoulders above what they're doing. You know, you, you've, you've seen a lot of strong people. You've had a lot of strong people. I've seen them for a long time. And yeah. And to see the ride back on the bus from the competition, which was on the same day as they did the strong man as well, mm-hmm. that the strong man were, were looking at him like he was gold. Like they were just, <laughs> they, they were just flabbergasted on seeing what he did because they, they were strong enough to know that how hard it was. Yeah. A lot of them couldn't do the things he could do. Yeah. No, all of them couldn't do it. Yeah. So that's, it's just super impressive. And it's always good to hear. Like I said, it's uh, there's, there's only a certain amount of people that we can get this kind of info from or these stories from. And that's one of the main reasons I really wanted to reach out to you was so that we can, you know, we can hear it firsthand from somebody that had a hand from the beginning and, and has been around all these great names that you're mentioning. Um, So in your opinion, and this is just, like I said, opinion-based question for putting together a grip competition I know, I know you've obviously put together, you know, several competitions and stuff like that, but I guess if you were going to try to make the best competition you could to prove who had the strongest grip with the most like well-roundedness, what kind of event selection would you look at for a balanced competition? Well, uh, as I said, we tried to keep it pretty varied and we try to use some things that were famous. Uh, we got the Jowett Amble out of Texas that was uh, on the cover of uh, one of the best books ever written about strength and weightlifting. Um, and uh, we used that actual anvil. Um, was, so you had something that you, you could squeeze. We had grippers involved. We had carrying ambles involved. We had deadlifting on a thick bar, all different ways that you could demonstrate hand strength. It wasn't all one thing. Yeah. And that's what I kind of liked about it. Yeah. I, I just think it's good to hear, kind of hear your take on it or just hear that kind of formula, because I, I think there's a lot of people that are hosting competitions nowadays and doing things. And it's just, uh, I mean, even, even when uh, I try to host or, you know, put together uh, competitions and stuff like that, I'm trying, you're, you're trying to kind of balance it out to where like you have your thick bar, you have your pinch, maybe you have your crush with the grippers, you have a vertical lift, like the anvil stuff you mentioned. Um 
sometimes I think people can get a little bit of tunnel vision and they kind of get uh, a little too far to one side. And I don't know, it, it starts to favor certain people or certain specialists and it's not necessarily producing the greatest all around strength. And like you said, with the variety you guys had, you're kind of, you're kind of testing anything. You can't show up there and have a weakness or have a hole in your game because no. it's, it's going to get exposed. So um, I, I was just curious about, like I said, just kind of the, a rough event lineup from you there. So that, that pretty much answers that. Um, so I guess kind of hitting on a lot of the past stuff um, overall now, do you still keep up with much of what's going on kind of in, in the grip world with competitions and stuff, or is it kind of just, you know, from a distance, you catch some things here and there, or. I catch it from a distance. Uh, it was pretty heated over the years. The early years of grip were, I mean, people were trying to make a, a, a leg, you know, a legend of, of themselves. So everyone was out there trying like heck. So mm -hmm. uh, it, there was a lot of infighting kind of stuff. And I, I kind of drifted away from that a little bit. I I did it because I enjoyed it and, and I had some success with it, but um, I, I don't follow it as close as, as I did before. And I was very passionate about it then, but uh, I want to see some other people do well. Yeah. Is there anybody um, that maybe you have kind of followed over the years that you think is maybe, I, I don't want to say more modern, more modern day grip person, but like I said, as long as, as long as you've been doing it and as long as you've been in the field, are, are there, any, is there anybody like nowadays that you see that's like uh, maybe impressing you with what they're doing or you kind of catch wind of what's going on and their name stands out? I, I catch wind of sometimes I'm surprised uh, Jed Johnson, how long he's, he's been on the top. He, he's done very well. Uh, Chad Woodall, he showed me some real, real strength across the board. And I think he's still with it. And he's a hard training guy. He built himself up to almost 300 pounds mm -hmm. and uh, very humble, nice guy. Um, Tex Henderson is still doing grip stuff. He uh, just went to a recent competition. Um, I see him working out. Uh, we got all our grip stuff ready to go. Someone walk in, they could have a competition here. Okay. So he, so he's still actively training there typically yeah. um, with where you're at. Okay. Yeah. And, and like I said, those are guys that really have been around. I mean, like you said, they were at the mighty Mits competitions and stuff like that. So they've, yeah. they've definitely been, been doing it for a minute and still there. It, it's, um, it's just odd that Tex Henderson and Rich Williams happen to be from Columbia. And they kind of mm -hmm. hung around me a little bit and I coached them up a little bit, but they are phenomenal people, super strong. And, and I've seen the best in the world, the strongest men that ever lived. And I would match them against any of them. Uh, okay. It was just, just kind of a, a thing coming together, seeing uh, Rich stand next to uh, uh, Zadrus uh, Zavikas. Mm -hmm. uh, he was every bit is large or larger than Zadrunas was and seeing them both in a, in a uh, elevator was quite, quite a sight. <laughs> now I, I know we're kind of keeping it with like a lot of grip people um, or, or we're, we're keeping guys that are, you know, more commonly known in the grip world, even though they, they have other strength backgrounds. Are there, any, are there any other people that maybe would be considered outside the grip world, like strongman, kind of like you named Zadrunas or somebody? Have you seen other people that aren't necessarily grip specialists do other feats of grip strength, like you know professional strongmen or other things like that? Do you have any names that you've uh, come across that 
you know, the, Gilling, the, the Gillinghams okay. were pretty uh, active in grip strength. I okay. sent uh, one of the Gillinghams his first blob years back because I heard from a, 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 a belt maker said he had a guy, a young kid, he said, that had a super strong grip. I said, well, if he's that strong, I'm going to send him something nice. And he, from years on, Wade Gillingham continued on with his grip and did very well. So he was involved in, in strongman and powerlifting. Um, it, it's not a direct or linear thing. Uh, you need a, a strong grip to be good in a lot of the events. And some of them have a good grip and some of them really don't. Um, as far as holding on to things, uh, my grip has never given out on me. It's just odd because I, for years I practiced heavy lockouts and things like that and worked up to, uh, from my knee level to a complete lockout, being raw, no straps, street clothes on, 1,331 pounds. And, and this is this basically like a rack pull? A rack pull, but it was from knee, knee height, carefully okay. measured, everything weighed. Yeah. And that's – we all uh, – years later put up a, a prize $1,331 if you could beat it and no one in the country could do it. So we had some fun with that. I like challenges. Oh, absolutely. I think that's what kind of makes everybody in the community kind of drive, drive one another, you know, back and forth. Um, yeah. So just kind of bringing up that uh, 1331, uh, I, I guess, I guess we could say rack pull, but like you said, you know, it's, it's, there's a certain distance to it and everything and all that. So it wasn't like you just moved it two inches or something. You know, it was a. No, sir. It was about. Yeah. Good range of motion. I would say about seven inches to eight inches. Okay. And uh, uh, with that being one. Was, of, oh, go keep ahead. Going. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good, Richard. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. I uh, Like I said, when I finished, my fingers felt like ETs. They were stretched <laughs> so long. It My body couldn't move a feather. If a feather landed on that weight, I couldn't have lifted anymore. Yeah. So it was a good day. Um, with, uh, with that being kind of a feat that stands out to you, um, do you have some other feats in mind of, of your own? Now we've talked about a lot, a lot of other people here. Are there other feats that you've done personally that I don't know when it happened, like maybe lifting the blob the first time was kind of like a, a good moment, but I wouldn't say it's maybe the biggest to you after all the other stuff you've done, but it was a challenge you set for yourself and you did it and then you built upon it. Are there other right. challenges that maybe, uh, when you did them, it was like a, a goal you kind of were pushing for or looking back, what, what, you know, is there like a handful of things that maybe stand out the most to you when it comes to uh, uh, grip, grip strength or feats of uh, strength in general? With the, with the grippers, I think the best thing I ever did with the, with the, the first number three I had, I shut it with two fingers and a thumb. And I still don't think I'd, I'd see anyone to do that. Okay, uh, and we is, still is that, have that gripper available. Just two two fingers. Yeah, and is that down towards the bottom? You're just walking your hand kind of down lower on the gripper, so your 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 two bottom fingers are kind of just hanging off. That's a good question. I'm, I'm trying to think how I did it. Uh, I have a picture of hanging out in the gym. Okay, uh, yeah, I, I was just curious because I was like, man, I'll, I'll I'll go try on some lighter grippers and just see what I can get to because I know I'm not doing anything close to a three like that. I. Like I said, I'm, I'm not the biggest gripper guy, but uh, I, it would be interesting to just mess around with some different combinations like that. But uh, I did I did a lot of things with two fingers. I did a, 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 just two fingers, not a thumb or anything. Two fingers deadlift with 552. I did uh, uh, an axle with two fingers, 
530 standing on a five inch block. That was super hard, but I got a free, uh, free ride down to Charleston for dinner as part of the bet. So it was worth trying. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other things. I think snatching that blob was extremely, I was extremely lucky to do it. And it was happened to be my day to be on. Mm -hmm. That was, that was a pretty tough feat. Um, I'm trying to think of some other things. Um, a one hand deadlift of five Oh five is pretty decent. I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, now, uh, another one I, I was just going to add in, you can keep going and, and listing yeah. as many as you can think of. Um, I, I know you talked about, uh, like cleaning or snatching anvils. What's, what's kind of the heaviest anvil or, uh, like, yeah, like an anvil lift. What's kind of like the heaviest, um, clean or snatch you've done with an anvil. The one thing you don't do is do a snatch with an anvil. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hundred pound anvil that I've pinch gripped and lifted before. It's about four and a half inches thick. It's quite, quite hard to do. It weighs exactly a hundred pounds. And I decided I was going to snatch the thing. Well, not thinking ahead, I grabbed a hole of it and snatched it and it flew to arm's length overhead. And I looked like the Statue of Liberty. But what I didn't think about is how to get it down. Yeah. I thought it would just tip over and whack me on top of the head. So it was one feet done one time. Okay. So I don't know if the rest of the world could do it, but I knew it was hard and it was dangerous. I wouldn't try it again. <laughs> I, I've done some smaller anvils and uh, there's a guy in grip named Clint Ziegler. Um, he did like a, uh, I think it was a 95 pound anvil. Yeah, where he, he he grabbed it by the horn and he kind of swung it back and then he cleaned it up and caught it on the face of the anvil. So he kind of cleaned trick. it. He kind of cleaned it in that fashion. So I know that was a cool one that uh, that Clint pulled off. And I didn't have an anvil. I had like, I was going to try to duplicate it, but all I had was like anvils that were like in the seventy pound range, so I could do it with those. And then my next anvil up was like a one fifty something, and I'm like, I can't do it with that. So I'm, I didn't even right. try. But but yeah, Clint Clint pulled that off with a ninety five pound, and that was a a pretty cool anvil feat. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I thought that you had mentioned uh, anvil lifting before or something like that and snatched one. So I want to just kind of get the weight on that just for reference. So I kind of knew. I think happened. my best, I think my best with an anvil was a uh, 173 pounder with uh weight added to it and it weighed 201. I think when we put it on the scale. Okay. That and, was that was just, like, and that's like regular deadlift style Yeah, mm -hmm. with that. Okay. Um, but yeah, is there, is there any other feats like that that kind of stand out to you um, just oh, gosh, over the years? It's 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 been a long, long road. Um, I'm thinking of anything that was just really, a lot of the two finger lifts, like I said, were, were hard to do. Um, I did um, a lockout with 1,012 on a, a, a two inch axle. That was pretty hard. They wanted, they wanted to, at iron mine for me to test what it would hold. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so I started doing lockouts with it and wound up doing a thousand twelve. That was hard. That was pretty hard to do because my hands aren't really large. They're there. If I was in a competition, I would be in the small category because my hands are seven and seven eighths long. Okay. So that's not, that's about the same as me. I'm like seven, three quarter or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. fa fairly similar there. So, and I think that's a good thing to mention for other people as well, to hear the kind of stuff that you're doing and the level that you've achieved. And like, I don't know, I don't want to say it's a popular thing because it, it doesn't happen a lot, but 
I think there's a lot of lifters nowadays. They kind of see some of these, you know, with the internet and stuff, there's a lot of videos getting put out and uh, they see these big guys with big hands doing all these crazy grip things. And they start thinking, you know, Oh, I can't do that because my hand size or whatever. And it kind of holds them back. And it's like, there's so many examples of guys that have pretty regular hands, but have extraordinary grips. So it's interesting for you to say that your hands are basically like sub eight inches and hear all the things you've done, because I think that should be, kind of more proof or more inspiration for people that have kind of uh, regular sized hands that, you know, they shouldn't be using that as an excuse. I definitely think if, if in some of the events like the blob or the axle lifts, mm-hmm. if my hands were bigger, like a basketball player's hands, oh, yeah. it would be totally different. It, 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 I've, I've seen people be able to reach all the way around an axle and actually do a, a hook grip mm-hmm. and which changes the whole thing. Yeah, uh, and, and the blob, a blob is fifty pounds. It's not that heavy to lift. It's just the shape of it is very, very important. That's why there is a, a definite difference between the second generation and the original Fat Man. Yeah, and, and that's why, like I, that's another thing I kind of noticed over the years, um, just kind of lifting because, like I said, the blobs were one of the first things I got into, and it's like the fifty-pound blob kind of became the standard. But people would always people would kind of forget that the second generation to the fat man, there's a there's a variance there. And there's a lot of guys, I think, that kind of ran around and only lifted the second generation blobs. And they would kind of say, oh, I lifted the blob. And it's like in my mind, it's always kind of been like if it wasn't from the first generation and it wasn't a fat man, then I don't think you could really honestly say you've lifted the blob. You could say you've lifted a 50 pound blob. But I think that distinction in the shape. Some people have overlooked. I, I would, I would say it was if, if the fat man blob was a hundred percent. I would say a second generation would be around seventy to seventy-five percent. Yeah, of difficulty. I, and, and I would agree. Quite a difference. Yeah. No. And and and, and that's what I've always had in my head. So I, I kind of joke around with people sometimes, and I'll be like, you know, if they talk about lifting the blob and they kind of put it in that that uh, that context, I'm like it's it's fat man or nothing like it's you know if if we're talking the original that's what the original was if we're being true to history you you lift the fat man or you haven't lifted the blob you've just lifted a blob um would you agree with that uh yes (laughs) i i i sent the other half of the original blob to ken uh, dr ken leisner's gym iron island gym yeah yeah and as a gift and I, i put on it what man could lift me and it sat at his gym, they said, for over 10 years, and no one lifted it. No one <laughs> that came in there. Yeah. So, And then finally, a good friend of mine, when the gym closed, somehow got a hold of that that blob and, and shipped it back to me. Okay, that's so cool. So I have the, yeah. the, the brother blob and the original. Okay, so that's cool. I have a, I have a, a, I have a buddy of mine. Uh, I have a buddy of mine that used to, uh, they used to train with Dr. Ken. Yeah. So I might have to ask him and say, Hey, do you ever remember a blob being there? You know, or, you know, any of that sure stuff? Um, because he's kind of getting into grip uh, a little bit now. I have to ask him if he remembers that. So that that's kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting fact that I, I didn't know. So that's some good information there. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of anything else. Like I said, Richard, I don't want to take up too much of your time, um, but it, it is fun to talk, kind of you know, just talk about grip and get these stories. I mean, sometimes you just get on a roll and, like I said, I, I really like these different subjects. Um, 
is there anything that you would like to see, I guess, for uh, the generations coming after you as far as what, what they kind of do with grip or how, I, I guess, grip strength gets, um, I, I guess, the evolution of it and where it goes? Is there is there anything you'd like to see? Would you like to see it become more popular, a bigger thing? Would You know, is, is there just anything that you can think of as kind of being a pioneer of it that I think, I like think it's a, I think it's a great endeavor. And it really... If you want to test athletic ability, the, one of the best tests is, is use a hand dynamometer. Uh, you, we correlated uh, grip strength with athletes many times, and the best athlete has the best grip, most explosive strength. Very easy to gauge that. Um, I, I like to see it move forward. It's, it's a lot of fun. It doesn't require a lot of uh, equipment. Uh, we made a few things to actually uh, – we have a clamshell device that goes around a dumbbell. So now mm -hmm. you have an instant, instant pinch grip block, four inches wide, same as two uh, York 45 pound plates that you could take, take in your gym bag and take it to any gym. And you got all the dumbbells in the world to work with. You don't have to carry any weights or do anything like that. But I like to see more people doing grip because that seems to be a weak point. If you look at everyone now, the deadlift's going through the roof, but what do they use? Straps. Yeah. And I, I think it's in the hundreds of pounds of difference using straps and not. So, yeah, they're either using straps or a lot of guys are using hook grip. Yeah. But, no, I could say uh, that that would hurt. <laughs> yeah. But, 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 but to your point, they're not, they're not just supporting the weight kind of, you know, through their, their pure grip strength. No. Whereas I think a lot of, uh, I don't want to be wrong on this, but I would say that, some of the older generations of lifters who just kind of grew up in, like I said, older generations where you were doing more manual labor and times were probably a little bit tougher. I, I don't know that their grips would give out as easy or if their grip was ever a factor. I think nowadays we get a lot of people that are strong, but maybe their day-to-day -day jobs or other things that they're doing, they might be sitting at a desk. They're not, you know, moving steel around or whatever the case may be. So oh, like I do. <laughs> it's, it's a lot different. I'll tell you one thing I'm, I, I would say to people that are real enthusiastic about grip is don't kill your hands. Okay. I'm, I'm suffering now because I went at it pretty hard and I would always mm -hmm. caution people not to don't, don't do grippers till you bleed. Just do them enough to stimulate those muscles. Your hands weren't made for strength. They're made for manipulating and holding things and uh and fine motor tasks so if someone's working to a maximum every day on grip or endlessly doing the same thing the same way uh down the road you're going to pay the price i mean i have trouble buttoning my shirt sometimes in the morning or put my socks on it's okay. it's it's that much uh, damage uh, i have no cartilage left in my thumbs or anything from from how much pressure i put on them gotcha yeah and i like i said and i think that's good advice. And I hope, hope people listen or, you know, whenever they, whenever they hear that for newer, newer lifters, cause I think it is, it is kind of the trend or the thing to do when you, you first get into grip, you're really excited. There's all these different things to try. And it's like, what do you do? You pretty much go and max out on all of them just to Absolutely. I'm see where I'm at. And uh, that, that's, that's kind of most people's intro to grip strength is just, I'm going to try to pick up the heaviest stuff I can in every direction. And, uh, you can only sustain that for so long before you start realizing that you have to kind of uh, program or kind of you know be able to recover from what you're doing. Um, so. I, prob I probably was at my best 
it, it fluctuated between three times, two and three times a week. Probably I was at my strongest twice a week. And I would try to use the same size implement that I w- was my goal. So whether I could lift a blob or not, that's what I trained on. Whether I could shut a three or not, I would train on the three until I could do it successive times. I would take seven, usually seven sets of single tries on the number three gripper after I, a light warm up. Now, Richard, how old are you currently right now? 73. Okay, 73. Now, at what age would you say your grip strength probably was at its peak? If you could, if you could put like a time stamp on it, like maybe it, it could be like a couple of years or a window 40, of time. 42 to 50. Okay. Yeah, I, I was just curious about that because, you know, we know that, you know, grip strength kind of, I don't know where, where people's, I don't know, maybe their knees or back or other things give out. It seems that the grip kind of stays with people a little bit longer yeah. sometimes. So I just kind of wanted to get uh, just some, just some uh, information from you on that as far as, you know, kind of what window did you feel like you kind of uh, hit your peak at or that prime well, window? Well, if and, just to think back real quick, I shut the the first number three in 1991. And 17 years later, I still had enough left to shut it again and certify. Yeah. So that was a pretty long run at a fairly high level. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that took me into my 50s. I, was, I think I was 57 or so when uh, I, I shut it the second time. And then you also did like a, uh, I've seen videos of it. Um, you do like a, a specific deadlift on your birthday, like a birthday deadlift. Uh, I, yeah, that's a, it was a fun thing, <laughs> kind of bittersweet, but fun. Yeah. When I start, when I started lifting at uh, 15 years old, uh, I deadlifted 5:30 at 15, and every year since I've deadlifted 500 or more, up to my 65th birthday. So okay. it would be 50 straight years of de- deadlifting 500 or more, which is yeah. Pretty, a pretty long run. No, that's uh, that, that's awesome. Yeah, I, and uh, actually, I, I was I was had a, a problem uh, oxygen in my blood on my sixty fifth birthday, and I got to five hundred halfway up and couldn't make it. And I was in the emergency room not long after. So okay. I made it sixty uh, uh, fifty nine years, but, but no, like that's... Uh, 49, 49 years. So that's, that's, that's an amazing, uh, that's just an amazing way to move in general. I mean, especially from, like you said, a, such a young age and then being able to carry that strength for so long. Um, like I said, it, it just goes to show what implementing some of the knowledge and, and just training smart can do for you. So well, uh, yeah, you got to train hard. You have to train hard, but you have to train smart. You got to be a little kind to yourself and it's not, not being a sissy about it. You have to go at it with a vengeance, but you have to think what you're doing and what it involves and how to key your mind to what the, the feat you're doing, not grabbing at something, but mm-hmm. clamping a hole of it and lifting it like you're uh, a cable. Your arm is a cable, not that you're grabbing at it and pulling on it. That, that's, a, that's a big thing in the blob people fail with. There's a lot of tricks of the trade, believe me. Yeah, and you're kind of just talking about more, I don't want to say like making your hand like a vice, but you're almost like mechanically getting into a position, proper setup. and I, I, drop, I drop my shoulder, I get in a, a good solid position, and then I squeeze as hard as I can on the object and then just stand up. 
stand up is the most important thing about it. Your arm is just like rope. It's not lifting the, the weight. If you try to lift with your arm bent or lift, try to snatch it off the ground, you're, you're going to lose every time. Okay. And also, yeah. And also one last tip, uh, Rager chalk was made for gymnastics. It keeps your hands dry, but it's also a, a silica, a lubricant and using chalk. Chalk for grip strength isn't a good idea, in my opinion. The, the key to it is have your hands super clean, wash them good with warm water, and then just as they dry, go do your grip. Okay. You go a long way with that. Yeah, and, and I think uh, a lot of people have seen very similar stuff to that because there's certain things that the chalk can slightly help with, depending on what it is. But then there's also times where it's like absolutely the worst thing you could do is to add chalk. You, you were right on, right on with that. And uh, even just the uh, the atmosphere, like the weather, if there's more humidity in the air, sometimes yes. that will get that little bit of moisture and the chalk kind of sticks better. Other yep, times yep. it's completely dry and it's no. like powder. It's like baby powder on there or something. So and then it, what do they do? They, then they put more chalk on. So, <laughs> so they're, they're really defeating themselves with that. Um, but uh, having your hands real clean and even putting a towel, I used to, when I, I competed, uh, I put a towel in my belt that was wet on one end so I could keep my fingers hydrated. Another thing about grip, hydration. Take plenty of water before you're, you're going to go to a contest or do uh, any feats of strength that max maxing out. Make mm -hmm. sure you got plenty of water in your system. Plumps up your fingers. Okay. Yeah. So like I said, thank you for the, thank you for the tips. Like I said, hopefully the listeners will appreciate it as much as I do. I'm sure they will. Um, uh, so like I said, Richard, we've been going for a pretty good while. Um, is there anything that you would like to add or any kind of like closing words to kind of wrap up with? I think we covered oh, some decent I, topics. I think, uh, I think we covered uh, some pretty pertinent points that, that, mm -hmm. that might help some people out. And, uh, you know, I wish everyone well. And, and, and if I did anything that, that inspires someone to do better, I'm all for it. Okay. And one last thing, Richard, I just thought about this now. Um, this, this, now this is going to be off off the subject a little bit. So I got like one last wild card thing for you. Um, I'm into hunting, so like I usually hunt like turkey and whitetail deer. Now yep. you do some hunt, you do some hunting yourself, correct? Are you sure right? I was going to say. So I, I I was like, man, I almost got off here without asking about some hunting stuff because you I, I've I've never hunted like alligators, but like you you do like uh, gator stuff and other stuff. What all? Uh, what all? What all do you hunt? There, there's some stories about gators. I. I hunted gators two years and I okay. decided that uh, you could either snag them with the fishing rod and hook, or you could shoot them with a bow and arrow mm -hmm. and then get them to the boat. And the law states that you have to dispatch them at the boat mm -hmm. with a, a firearm. Well, that wasn't enough for me. So I decided I was going to harpoon one. <laughs> so I, I made this crazy rig up with a harpoon handheld harpoon. And, uh, the first one I got was 12 foot, six inches. He was a monster, 500, <laughs> 547 pounds. I think he was, yeah, that's huge. uh, the, the second one was 11 footer that was making dogs disappear. He would be eating all the dogs from the, mm -hmm. the people's yards. So what I did, I did, I was going to give him a fair chance. So I got a rolling thunder. I harpooned him. And when he took off, I hooked the rolling thunder to the line. 
So I fought him on his own basis. And I got that son of a gun in finally. I thought he was going to pull me in the water. But uh, that was kind of my alligator hunting. I, uh, just the other day, I went out and uh, shot a real big hog. He's probably 330 pounds. So we, we're pretty varied on what we hunt. We're going to be leaving uh, the 1st of November around then to go out west, do a little hunting as well. Okay. What, what are you going to be hunting out there? Is it going to be like uh, elk deer. or something? Or deer. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I'm i kind of getting ready for a deer season myself here. Um, in, in North Carolina, it's it's already open, but then I, I'm originally from Ohio, so I'll go back up and meet up with family and hunt like Ohio yeah. and Kentucky as well. So, oh, that's all good um, up that way. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that, but yeah, I, I had to ask you a hunting question and I, I said it was going to be off this, uh, off the subject of grip, but at the same time, you even found a way to mix grip in with that, didn't you? Yeah. The, <laughs> um, I, I tell you, if you talk about big deer, we, I, I shot one up in, uh, in Canada, uh, in Saskatchewan that weighed 387 pounds, white tail. Wow. Yeah. That no, was that's a my that's monstrous. <laughs> did uh did you have the rack scored at all? Just curious. One it was one fifty and three eighths. Okay. It was yeah. a small rack. It looked like a little beanie on his head. Well, just because the body's so big. I his mean... neck was his neck was twenty seven <laughs> inches under his chin, and his chest mm -hmm. was fifty and a half. That was yeah. a monster deer. Wow. Yeah. I, I like I said, I, I I was almost about ready to like kind of you know shut it down, and I'm like, ah oh, man, I've seen these pictures of these giant alligators and other stuff. I'm like, I got to ask him about some hunting stuff real quick. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, just just had to get a couple of those in there. Um, but yeah, uh, like I said, Richard, if you don't have anything else to add, we can go ahead and kind of shut it down, and you, I can let you get on with your day. But uh, well, I certainly I'm, enjoyed it. I really did, and and I hope uh, whatever we discuss helps some people. Absolutely. And uh, I'm, I'm sure it will. I think people are going to really look forward to this one. So uh, I'm going to speak for the listeners and myself, but, you know, we thank you for being a pioneer, having the innovation and kind of having the creativity and the mindset to start, you know, some of these things and kind of be there in the beginning for a lot of it and uh, to kind of carry on and help it evolve through all the years since then too. You know, it's not like you just did some things a long time ago and then it stopped. It's, it's been continuous still present day. So uh we definitely appreciate it. And we, we thank you for all you've done for all that stuff as well. So sure, um, it's been a pleasure and thank you. All right. So I'll go ahead and I'll sign off with that, Richard. Thank you for, uh, thank you for doing it. Take care.